Welcome to Married to Murder. I'm Clint. And I'm Summer. And we're a true crime podcast. Where I tell him all of my favorite true crime stories, and he's hearing it for the first time, just like you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a tale of murder. Welcome back once again, everybody. Uh, We're now on episode five here. I definitely want to thank everyone for all the downloads and all the listens that we've been getting so far. Again, this is growing beyond what we ever thought would be possible. Um, Please continue to download, continue to subscribe, share us with your friends, your family. Check all our social media, share us from there as well. Help us get the name out. We really appreciate it. I definitely remember to download. Um, I wish that just listening would count as much as a download. And I used to listen, well, I still listen to podcasts all the time. I wasn't aware of how important the download versus the listen was. So I need to go back to some people that I listen to like every episode and never download it. So I feel bad because I had no clue it made such a difference in things. I just thought as long as I listened, that's all that mattered. But for some reason, they only count downloads. Go figure. But either way, we hope you're happy. Absolutely let us know if you have any, you know, thoughts, suggestions, uh, case suggestions, anything that you wish that we did differently, anything you wish we did more of, anything you wish that we did less of, anything like that. We definitely want to hear um, we're growing, we're learning, and we only know what you like and what you don't like if you don't tell us. So whatever you listen to us on, try and give us a review too. That'll help us out so that we know, you know, what you like and what you don't. Preferably like. Just email us if you don't like something. Give us a chance to fix it. And then yeah. you can re- give us a bad review if we don't fix it. We're still trying to figure this whole game out. We're new to this still. We've been listening to various podcasts for years. This is our first time trying to do one. You know, there's a learning curve to this. I'm not even going to die to this. I will say, y'all, he doesn't listen to true crime podcasts yet, but he did start listening to like this spooky podcast, which is kind of very different than what he used to. So maybe we're kind of growing on him. Hey, hey, don't go too far now. I'm still a stubborn, stubborn bitch. This is true. All right, so in episode five, we are going to discuss the murder of Mabel Grenadier, and it's G-R-E-I-N-E-D-E-R. It's almost like grenadine, like uh, you would put in your mixed drink. I know, I'm praying I don't accidentally mispronounce it. Yeah, please don't do that. I'm sure somebody in the comments would say something and give you hell about it. But And then I'll feel guilty as I don't know what. No, so it is Grenadier. Grenadier. Deer. Yes. Grenadier. Deer. If y'all hear something in the background, we apologize. We have a cat, and she refuses to not be in here. But maybe we'll post a picture of her on Instagram so y'all can see how absolutely cute she is. Manchawawa's in here, too, but he's good. The cat's his. She's a solid black cat, so I mean, she does kind of fit the theme. She does. That's probably why we need to post her on Instagram. All right. Back to the story. Well, back to, we haven't even started the story. Come on now. We're starting October 31st, 1999. Yeah, bringing it back to the 90s. All right. See, so you got the 90s out of it, and I got Spooky Day. That's what I have written is Spooky Day. <laughs> How? How do you get Spooky Day? October 31st. It's Halloween. 
Oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I'm sorry I didn't go basic white girl with you there. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, so we are in Wellesley, Massachusetts, which is a suburb of Pennsylvania. It's a very well-to-do area. Are we talking pinky out well-to-do here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. The kind of place where that thing never happens here type of place. Oh, oh one of those places, huh? Yep. So, 58-year-old Mabel Grenadier, who is a nurse, and her husband, 59-year-old Dr. Dirk Grenadier, he is an allergist who specializes in childhood asthma. Apparently a very good doctor. Very well respected. They decided to take their dog for a walk, which was something they frequently did in their 31 years of marriage. Okay, so what type of dog was it? What was his name? You know I know the dog's name. I was saving it. <laughs> well, Matt, this is important information here. They had two German shepherds. Oh, good choice. Good choice. But Zephyr was the one that they brought for the walk today. And Wolfie was left at home because Wolfie was apparently not feeling well that day. Oh, poor Wolfie. So, did you think I didn't know the dog's name? I figured you would. That's why I asked. Well, yeah, it was rather down, but yes, absolutely. Which, by the way, Zephyr's a cool name for a dog. I'm not going to lie. That it is. And it was a cool name for a baseball team until uh, they decided to rename it to the Baby Cakes. I mean, what the hell? For anybody who doesn't know, New Orleans. It's uh, a minor league baseball team. Yeah, it's a minor league baseball team. And they used to be the New Orleans Zephyrs, which is, like we just said, it's a cool name. And for some reason, they decided to change it. And people voted and changed it to the Baby Cakes, which is embarrassing. It would have been better if they had named it King Cakes, but yeah. A bunch That's of people thought Baby Cakes were Zephyrs better. was fine. They should have just left it as Zephyrs. Oh, agreed. Okay. We're getting way off topic, and we're not very far in. Well, let's keep the story moving, then. Okay. So Mabel frequently went by May. So you'll hear sometimes I'll call her Mabel, sometimes I'll call her May. But it's the same person. So they went to Morris's Park. Which is in their hometown. That's pretty much the same place that they normally walk. And they were going to bring their German Shepherd Zephyr to the park to walk around the pond. I, they parked their van at the entrance to Morris's Park. And I looked up this park. It's, it looks like more of a lake than a pond. It covers 100 acres and has swimming and kayaking. I would say that definitely qualifies as a lake. It has a little beach area where you can go, like I said, swimming. Um, I think you can do some more different things, but I didn't want to give like a whole list, but just enough that y'all are aware. Because when you say pond, this was not what I was visualizing when I went and looked at pictures. So I just want to be very clear. It's more of a lake. So it is a bigger area and it does have that beach area because that comes in later. So at 8.56 a.m. on the morning of October 31st, Dirk calls 911 and states that his wife has been attacked. Police and paramedics arrived to find significant bloodstains on the walking path and drag marks leading to Mabel. They were not able to do anything to help her, and she was pronounced dead at the scene. Well, that's not good. No, sadly. Oh, oh, can I make a prediction now? The husband did it. You always like to say that. It's your fault. I really do want that t-shirt. Y'all just Have y'all seen the t-shirts that say the husband did it? I think they're cool. 
if something happens and we ever get merchandise, I'm 100% making a shirt that says, the husband did it. Y'all can just guarantee that. I love that phrase. It's hilarious. It's not hilarious, actually. It's true. So that's why it's not funny. It's just true. But I still love the shirt. Okay. So, Dirk Grenadier was born in Germany on October 19, 1940, and he was actually raised in Lebanon. He came to the U.S. when he was 18 to attend college, and he spoke four languages. Oh, so he was a smart guy, wasn't he? English, French, German, and Arabic. Okay, given where he was born and lived, that makes perfect sense. Mabel Grenadier was born on August 31st, 1941 in Columbia, South America to Angel and Martina Chegwit. That's a fun name to try and spell. I'm it's not even going to attempt it. C-H-E-G-W-I-N. Okay. She was the youngest of four kids, so she had two older brothers and an older sister. Dirk and May met in 1964 at college. At that time, they were both in Cleveland, Ohio. She was pursuing her master's degree in medical surgical nursing. She already had a bachelor's in nursing with a minor in zoology. I'd just like to point out that this was 1964, and she was a woman working on her master's degree. That's uh, impressive, to say the least. So May was no pushover. I'm very impressed. They dated off and on and then eventually got married in 1968. She graduated with her master's and they actually became she actually became as a uh, assistant professor at Case Western Reserve, which is where Dirk was attending medical school. So after he graduated, they moved to New York for his residency at Cornell which is not unimpressive itself. Yeah, Cornell is uh, nationally known, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Maple got a job as an assistant professor at Cornell as well while he was completing his residency, and they had their oldest daughter, Kirsten, on April 22nd, 1971. They then moved to Maryland so that Dirk could do a three-year ENT program, ear, nose, and throat, for anybody who doesn't know what ENT does. And they had two more children, Britt, their younger daughter, and Colin, their only son. In 1979, they moved to Wellesley, and that is where our story is taking place. So they hadn't been there a long time, from 1979 to, I'm sorry, 1975 to 1999. Yeah, that's a long time to live in one spot. But, you know, it's how kind of things happened back then. That's a good thing. They had stability. Oh, yeah. Okay. Stability is definitely a good thing. And it's kind of cool for the kids, especially the two younger kids that lived there pretty much their entire lives. So I, I do want to give a trigger warning. We are going to discuss Mabel's wounds. They were extensive. So if that kind of turns you off, I just want you to understand that it's this was not a quick, hey, she was stabbed in and out type of thing. So, so it's kind of long and drawn out. and It it would have taken longer than just somebody running by, stabbing her in the heart and walking away. Okay. So I just want you to understand that. So maybe if it bothers you, fast forward about 30 seconds and I'll be quick. Okay, so she had a stab wound to the left side of her neck that was five and a half inches long and two and a half inches wide. That's a pretty good size wound. The length doesn't bother me. It's the width that's like, really? 
Her jugular vein had been cut. She also had a stab wound to the left side of her chest that had penetrated the left lung and the pulmonary artery. She had some other non-fatal stab wounds to the lower left chest, the back of her head, and her forehead. She also had a laceration to the back of her head that had torn the skin and was consistent with a metal object such as a hammer. She had a contusion, which is the same thing as a bruise, just a fancy word for a bruise, to the left side of her face that aligned with a fracture at the back of her skull that was consistent with the impact of a padded blunt object such as a hand, knee, or foot. So basically what that means is they think either somebody kicked her or hit her with a gloved hand causing her to have a fracture and a bruise. She also had an abrasion on her lower back, which they believe came from being dragged. And there was blood spatter on her hands, abdomen, and lower chest. Her shirt was pulled up. Her pants were open. And she did not have any defensive wounds. So that tells me she possibly either knew her attacker or was completely blindsided in the first strike completely incapacitated her. Yeah, blitz attack or newer attack or one of the other combination of the two. So that's all for the wounds. So anybody who's listening comes back. We're done with all that. Dirk kind of starts talking. As soon as people start coming up, he's telling everybody, you know, he's talking the whole time. I don't know if it was nervousness or what, but he starts talking. So he tells the paramedic, that Mabel had hurt her back while she was throwing a ball to Zephyr and that she just decided to stay where she was, told him to go ahead and walk the dog and bring the dog to the van. And then he came back to get her and then found her lying in the path. Okay, that already sounds fishy to me. Which part? Uh, The fact that he didn't stay there with her. Every story he says doesn't include him staying. Oh, so the story's changed then. A little bit, yeah. We're going to get there. So, he, Dirk does say that he stopped to ask for two people for help, a jogger and a dog walker, but that neither had a cell phone. And we'll talk about them later. Well, 99 cell phones weren't super common yet. Exactly. So, they had, um, the Grenadiers had a cell phone, but it was one of those, it was in the car. So, kind of like... It doesn't exactly say a bag phone, but that's kind of what I'm picturing from a 1990 cell phone that was left in the car. Uh, That was a little bit earlier in the 90s for the bag phones. I remember those. Um, I feel like it was probably definitely a bulkier phone, but, you know, maybe they just, it wasn't common to call somebody or text somebody even for that matter on their cell phone back then. That was more of a. Could you text in 99? When did texting start? I think you could, but I don't remember right off. It's been a hot minute. I never know how to. I can never, like, pick those things out. So the first officer on the scene is Officer Fitzpatrick. And Dirk tells Officer Fitzpatrick that Mabel had tripped on something and hurt her back. So she had told him to go ahead and that she would meet him at the entrance. And that Dirk and Zephyr go to the beach area. The dog started acting weird, and it makes him go, oh, no, and he turns around and heads back to Mabel because somehow the dog is acting weird. 
Okay, I just did a little quick Google search, and apparently the first text were in 92. Wow. That long ago? But apparently 99 uh, was kind of when it first started to become popular. But still, I mean, at their age, that's not something that they would really do. Don't be ageist. I'm not. I'm just saying at that age with a new technology is not something that would be super common still. All right. So he says that the dog starts acting funny. He goes back to Mabel. The dog at this point finds Mabel, not him. I can see that. He checks Mabel for a pulse. She has a pulse. He runs to the van and calls for help. He then, remember he's a doctor, asks Officer Fitzpatrick if his wife is dead. Mm. Officer Fitzpatrick says yes. And then Dirk says, are you going to arrest me? Yeah, way to say I'm guilty without saying I'm guilty. It's very weird. Well, that, that's not one of the first things I would think if something were to happen to you, you know. Sergeant Peter Nahas arrives, and the first he gets pretty much the same story as Officer Fitzpatrick, and but he notices that Dirk has blood on his jacket sleeves and on his shoes, but his hands have absolutely no blood on them at all. He has no gloves on, and he has no blood on his hands. Hmm. And this is Massachusetts in October. Just remember that. Yeah, so not exactly the warmest place, I would think. Probably not. I've only been there once, and I was very young when I was in Massachusetts. And it was summer, so I don't know what fall, winter-type conditions are, but I know it was probably cold in that time. Yeah, and I mean, they're probably like us, what we call, like what I would have called freezing. They'd probably be like, it's nothing. Okay, you call 65 freezing. Exactly. So he gets to the police station and tells Detective Jill McDermott pretty much the same story that he's gone with. That, But this time when he checks Mabel, she didn't have a pulse, but she was warm. Okay. Yeah. Would she... I, I mean, she would have been warm. It's not like she had been dead two hours. It takes a while for the body to cool, and he's a doctor. He should know that. So I find find that comment a little odd, but other than that, and then you can say he just found his wife of, you know, 30-plus years dead. All of this can just be, I'm babbling, you know. It could be put out to a lot of mechanism, basically. Exactly. Dirk does tell Detective McDermott that May had given him a back rub last night and that his skin wouldn't possibly be under her fingernails. Now, we don't know what question was asked prior to that. We just know that this is what was testified to. So, did she say, hey, is there any reason your fingernail, you know, your DNA would be under her fingernails? If she asked that ahead of time, then this isn't a suspicious question. If he just randomly blurts that out, then it is suspicious. So without knowing the preceding question, you don't know if it's suspicious or not. Mm, Right off the bat, it kind of sounds a little fishy to me. But again, I don't have context as to what would have triggered him to say that. He does tell the detective that they have not had sex for a few years because his wife has neck and back problems. 
while valid excuse, that still sucks. Sucks for both of them. Exactly. They ask him, because his hands are, you know, they are clean. So they're like, did you wash your hands at any point? And he says, no, he did not. And they're like, so can you explain? You did check her carotid. Can you explain why you don't have any blood on your hands? And he's not able to give them any type of explanation. Hmm. I can't think of a logical reason unless he was wearing gloves or he washed his hands. So Dirk continues to talk. He tells family members some interesting things. Mabel's sister is Elise Stark. He said that before they were going on their walk, that he and Mabel had both gotten nosebleeds while in the driveway before they left. Uh, I've I've heard you can't get a nosebleed from the drier conditions up that way. But they both got them at the same time, and they both had blood on the same towel because they shared the same towel. Hmm. That still seems a bit fishy. And he also tells Mabel's sister that he chased a jogger after he saw his wife. Now, maybe he told her that because he wanted to seem like a hero. He wanted his family to think he'd actually done something. You know, you want, you don't want to think your wife just died and you didn't do anything to help her. So maybe he wanted the family to think he had done something. And maybe that's why he said this, but didn't tell the cops that. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. It too many inconsistencies as of right now. To it, it just it's it's coming off as fishy to me. I'm as cliche it is. I want to say the husband did it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't tell you why this was said, but the day after Mabel dies, Dirk tells Elisa's daughter Belinda. So this is his niece by marriage that. Mabel and and he had intercourse the morning of her death. Wait, he, didn't he tell the police that they hadn't for years? He did. Oh Lord. So this is an inconsistency of what he told the police, and also your niece does not want to hear about your sex life, especially she doesn't want to hear about the sex life of her living aunt, much less her aunt who died the day before. Yeah, that, I don't think anybody really wants to know about the sex life of any family member of theirs. Yeah, so there's no reason. I can't give you an explanation of why he told her that. I don't think she can give you an explanation of why he told her that. She just reported, you know, he told me this. And it was kind of like, you, why are you, you know, go away type response. That's a bit of a, uh, yo, dude, what the fuck? So while Dirk is having all these conversations with the police and his family members, the police are investigating the scene. Ziploc bags were found on the path near May's body. Uh, a few feet away, a plastic bag with a lighter fluid, a loaf pan, and latex gloves were found. That's an odd combination to find at a murder scene. I agree. Latex gloves I get, loaf pan I do not. Uh, agreed. I mean, that's just... They all start with L, though. Lighter fluid, loaf pan, latex. Oh, interesting. (laughs) I'm sure it doesn't mean anything. Just my weirdness noticing it. At 1 p.m. on October 31st, which was the day that May was murdered, police find a brown right-handed glove, a two-pound east wing drilling hammer, and a folding knife in a storm drain in the park. And all of these items tested positive for blood. 
Okay, and for those that don't know, a drilling hammer, it's basically, it's uh, about a three-pound or so short-handled, some people call them mauls, but typically two flat faces, and just, it provides a bit more force than your standard construction claw hammer. So it doesn't have the other end, that like where you would remove nails? No, no, it's just, it's basically a three pound chunk of iron with a piece of uh, wood sticking out the middle of it. Interesting. I'm uh, glad you know these things. I have two, uh, two or three of them, I think. Okay, cool. Just keep that in mind. Hey, now. <laughs> the next day, a matching glove was found in a storm drain near where the van was parked. Okay, so it wasn't OJ that did this then? No, there's two gloves found. They do match. And that one tested positive for blood as well. Well, but if the OJ um, defense holds up, you know, as long as the glove doesn't fit, you know, it wasn't whoever did it. OJ did it. Hey, we're not talking about that case. That's a whole other story altogether. It is, but OJ did it. I said what I said. <laughs> opinionated right. much? Most people are very opinionated on that case. I know. All right. So police execute a search warrant on... November 1st, and also on November 12th. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Who'd they search, though? They search the home of the Grenadiers. That makes sense. Did they make uh, Mr. Grenadier try on said gloves? They did not. Well, there went his defense then, damn it. They did not search his person. They took several computers, some credit card statements, a bottle of Viagra that Dirk had prescribed for himself, you know, as your asthma doctor normally prescribes your Viagra, and a 12-pack of condoms. And, oh, God. I, I think I already know where this might be going, and it's not a good place. So it appears our boy Dirk was not the most faithful of husbands. Dirk Grinning Deer was trying to be Dirk Diggler, it seems. Oh, gross. <laughs> He had several credit cards in the name Thomas Young, which here's the weird thing. He didn't just pick a random name like John Smith or James Anderson or something. He knew Thomas Young. Oh, so he stole his identity then. He picked the name of Thomas Young, who was somebody that was at college with him that was a very popular guy on campus. Oh, God. So it was almost like he wanted to live this second life and be like college Thomas Young. So it's kind of weird. So he's trying to live it up, live up the glory days, basically. So there was a lot of internet activity in the few years before Mabel passes away. But yeah, ninety nine. We didn't have a. Uh, incognito mode on our browsers and whatnot. We had to go in and manually clear all that junk. I don't know if he was doing all that. The judge would only allow the week prior, but there was enough information in the week prior that we can cover. Oh, God. The weekend before May was murdered, Dirk had a medical conference in New Jersey. Okay. So he calls for an escort to come to his room about 2.46 a.m. And that little activity cost him $400. 
four hundred dollars in nineteen ninety nine money. That was cheap, relatively. I don't know why I found the four hundred dollar part interesting. I just, I know these are things I don't know, so I like to find these little <laughs> things interesting. And at this, really, why you got to pay for it? I mean, come on now. Her name was Nora, and after she left, he also got an adult movie. Of course he did. And he stayed up with her most of the night, and then did a speech at the conference at 10 a.m. Oh, Jesus. So how interesting for these people that attended that 10 a.m. conference to know that the guy that gave their conference speech was chilling with an escort the night before, technically the morning of. That's. <laughs> I bet that would have made his speech a little bit more interesting. He, as you think? I mean, <laughs> that's wow. He also opened an account under Casual Guy Two Thousand, mm-hmm. and set up an account with an online dating service, which was called People to People. Hmm. And he signed up for a webcam site using that web that um, Casual Guy Two Thousand. Well, webcams weren't super popular back then, but they were a thing, if I'm not mistaken. He was very active on the webcam site. Uh, he trying to get in trouble, ain't he? He sent messages asking for discreet relationships, and that was on October 25th. Something's fishy. On October 10th, all right, y'all got to get figure out how I'm going to tell y'all what he did. On October 10th, he started an account, a Yahoo account. So just think that P word that women don't like. Are you going to make me say it for you? No, nobody needs to say it. P word writer at yahoo.com is what it was. What? No 420, no 69 involved with it. Come on now. Amateur. Hey, well, in 1999, he probably didn't need it, but now you probably got to add a whole bunch of numbers. Oh yeah. You got to add like a 10 digit number after any username now. Cause Oh, that username's taken. That username's taken. That username's taken. Hence the reason we have the number two in the middle of our podcast name instead of the word T-O. So he exchanged on October 25th and October 26th. He exchanged pictures and graphic messages with a couple of different couples looking for a threesome. And this is a quote of a message she sent because I just knew y'all wanted to hear this. Oh, God. I am white, married, but she does not play. If you have young kids in the room, please tell them to go away because I'm pretty sure they don't need to hear this. I don't. I haven't heard it yet, but I'm gonna take a wild guess and say young children do not need to hear this part. Probably I should have given a warning of that for like this whole little section. Well, that's why I jumped in when I did. Thank you. See, I'm smart. <laughs> okay, so he is white, married, but she does not play. So I'm looking for a very discreet couple with whom to play. I also am very oral, both give and receive, and would love to exchange emails to see if we can fit. Creeper vibes. I am a few pounds overweight, really only a few. (laughs) Only a few? That's what he says. (laughs) Only a few? (laughs) Love group activities. I am basically straight, but can be flexible in group situations. Basically straight. Mm. That's so funny. Wow. <laughs> this dude was trying to do it before it was cool. He didn't actually end up meeting with meeting up with these couples. 
But, I mean, he definitely sent it. It was more of a, it wasn't like he backed out. It was one of the couples got creeper vibes and weren't interested. And one of them, they just couldn't work out out of time. Yeah, can't imagine why they got creeper vibes. Come on now. I mean, shit. (laughs) This dude's starting to creep me out. Hell no. Back up, dude. While he was meeting with escorts, he met up with one escort named Elizabeth. And she was with Commonwealth Entertainment Agency. Okay. She was a heroin addict. Uh, Of course. Why wouldn't she be? He met her in February of 1998. He thought that they were, like, dating. Oh, God. He caught feelings. If you're playing with escorts, never catch feelings. Like I said, her name was Elizabeth. And he ended up... he continuously wanted to reach out to this escort service, trying to hook up with her. She ended up not working for the escort service more because of her drug addiction than anything. And he wasn't able to reach her like her phone number, her personal, I think she had given him her personal phone number to kind of cut the escort agency out of their money. But she lost, you know, she lost her number. She didn't work for the escort agency anymore. Escorts sounds like there might be a little bit undependable, so he wasn't able to get, stay in contact with her. So he was very upset. So he hooks up with this new escort named Deborah, and then asks Deborah if she can go by the name Elizabeth. Why do I feel like this dude would have happily been on app Ashley Madison before it all got shut down if he was still around? Oh, a hundred percent. He even tells Deborah about Elizabeth and how they were, quote, dating. No, you was a paycheck fool. So he reached out to the escort service and Deborah the day before Mabel was murdered and the day after Mabel was murdered. Okay. Husband did it. I'm calling it now. Husband did it. What? If I get murdered, you're not going to be thinking about an escort the next day? No, I'm going to be filling out insurance paperwork and uh, all the other fun stuff that needs to get done. I feel so loved. <laughs> well, man, I got to get something out of this here. I do love you. I'm not going to kill you. But I'm Aww. not going to hire somebody to kill you either. Oh, how sweet. Mabel had found his Viagra, but he had a bunch of excuses. He did not have an affair. Of course. And she just kind of... We don't know if she believed him or if she just let it slide or exactly. You know, they'd been married a long time. She probably just wanted to not think about it. Sweep it under the rug type deal. In late October, Mabel's computer crashed. So they have a workman over at the home, and he hears a conversation between Dirk and Mabel. Dirk asks Mabel, did you use my computer? Well, if hers was dead, I mean, yeah, why wouldn't she? She says she didn't. But she's dead a few days later. Once again, something's fishy. But we definitely know he was concerned about her using his computer. You ain't concerned unless you're hiding something. It's that simple. And just a reminder, there was a blood spatter on Dirk's jacket. 
and on his sneakers. I do feel like J- Mr. Dirk here was uh, wielding said drilling hammer. <laughs> he was arrested four months after the murder, and we went to trial. Yay for justice. Neighbors, friends, and especially their three children were adamant that he would not kill his wife. Yeah, everybody always is when somebody they know kills somebody else. Oh, no, he'd never do that. He was such a good person. Yeah, no. You, You only know about a person what said person wants you to know about them, no matter how close you are to them. That's facts. The prosecution now has to tell the world who they really think Dirk Grenadier is. Prosecutor is Rick Grundy, and he says that Dirk Grenadier was one of the most controlling individuals he has ever prosecuted. Everything was going to go his way. So Dirk was a collegiate swimmer. All kids were on the swim team. Dirk went to Yale. All of his kids went to Yale. Two out of three kids went to medical school. Well, the third one's got to be the odd one out, doesn't they? And interestingly enough, she seems to be the favorite. Britt's the one that didn't go to medical school. But she's also the baby girl. So that could be part of why she's the favorite. Yeah, they say the youngest is the favorite. By that time, you kind of, eh, whatever. Colin's the youngest, but Britt's the youngest girl. Yeah, of, of course. Of course. So she's daddy's girl. So Dirk said that he had stopped to ask for help from two people, a jogger. And another dog walker. Please, for the love of God, tell me the prosecutors found said jogger and said dog walker to come testify on this dude. Correct. They did. Yes. William Care said that he saw Dirk walking in the direction from where police found the items in the storm drain. Not the ones near the first batch that was found where the hammer was. Okay. Not the part where it was near the van. And that where he had gone to, there was no reason for him to go down that path because it was a dead end. So if you find your dead wife and you're running for help, you're going to run toward where other people would be or toward where your cell phone is, toward the entrance, something like that. You're not going to run down a dead end path. Now, you're going to go somewhere that where you can find some help. And he went down this dead end path. And he was walking, not running. They saw him go down the dead end path and about 45 seconds later, come back out. Walking, not running. Hmm. Gee. And then he asked about the phone. I'm going to say somebody was hiding some evidence. So the other person that he asked about the phone, he didn't have the phone. He starts talking to William Keir while Dirk says he's going up to the van to call the police. Who is William Keir again? William Keir is the man who just testified saying that he saw him coming down the dead end path. Oh, so he's the jogger? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I've, I've got the attention span of goldfish. You know this. That's no problem. That's why I'm here to answer all questions to the best of my ability. Why is the sky blue? <laughs> Refractions. So so then he is sitting there chatting. Well, probably not chatting. They're probably freaking out because they've just been told there's a dead woman. He's talking to William Keir. They don't see the police. They don't see Dirk coming back. 
he decides to head up toward the parking area where the van is to check on Dirk. Just as he's getting up there, Dirk is just calling 911. And it's been about four to five minutes minimum. Minutes? Minutes minimum. <laughs> minimum. minimum. Words are hard. That they are. Especially when there's alliteration. Alliteration can be such a bitch sometimes. It can be fun and it can be hard. Prosecutors also say that May had been very supportive of Dirk during his career, obviously. She, yes, she was a nurse, she had a master's degree. But then she started to stay home, let his career be primary, and she stayed home and raised the kids. But now the kids were in college, he had his career, and she decided to focus on herself. As one would do. I mean, you know, I, I can't blame her in the least bit on that. She got a facelift, and she decided to go back to school to get her nurse practitioner degree. No, ambitious. Nice. And apparently Dirk was a little bit threatened with that. So it was okay for him to go be casual guy 2000, but not so okay for her to go get her nurse practitioner degree, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm not liking this dude very much. So forensic stated the Ziploc bags that they found also matched what was found in the Grenadier home. Uh, I mean... There's only so many brands of Ziploc bags out there. You know, and there's so many of them available at any given grocery store and even, I mean, any almost any corner store you can go to. I'm going to tell you what they said, and I kind of agree with you, because they didn't even say same brand. They said you could tell from the impressions in the Ziploc bags themselves that they had come from this package? Uh, a little bit of a fetch. I'm not but, sending somebody to jail on that, but I'm and, just going to say. No, it, that's good enough for maybe an arrest and a search warrant, but I'm not sure that's solid enough evidence for jail time. I'd never heard that before, so I found it kind of interesting because I was like, because at first, I, I'm not going to lie, I had to reread it because I've seen where they match up tape or they match up things that rope that have an end to an end. And it almost made it sound like that's what they were trying to do. But these are Ziploc bags. So that's why I had to reread it. And they were talking about the impressions and the actual Ziploc bag himself. Hmm. So I don't know about that science, but hey, I feel like there's enough stuff that, you know, we can either say guilt or innocence off of. Yeah, we, I feel like we've got a lot more evidence available in some uh, Ziploc bag impressions. When they did the search warrant, they also found a receipt for nails at a hardware store where Dirk frequently shopped. The very next purchase was a cash purchase for an East Wing drilling hammer. Okay, okay. At least he got a good brand and not some cheapie that's going to break on him in the first couple swings. I'll give him that much. They did only sell four that year, but I'm sure they're also not the only store that sells that hammer. So No, I mean, it, any almost any hardware store that's worth a shit is going to sell some variation of multiple hammers. And usually in a couple of different brands and weights and styles, depending on 
you know, what kind of room they have and, you know, who their distributors are. Dirk's defense attorney, Martin Murphy, had some really, he had two funny comments. Or at least I thought they were funny. He said, in, in like, talking about how he was, you know, doing his online activities and spending time with escorts. He said, this was an unfortunate use of his time. I'll say. Unfortunate use of his time. I don't know. It was just weirdly, what a weird way to say it. I mean, that, this is a very nice way to say it. Homeboy fucked up. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. He also said his client is too smart to commit this stupid of a crime. Which I've heard that defense before, too. I've heard too smart and too stupid. Look, I fix stuff every day for a living. Engineers are smart. Would you agree? Of course. Some of the stuff I have fixed over the years proved to me engineers are some of the stupidest son of bitches out there. Like, I got to take off three different things that have absolutely nothing to do with what I'm trying to fix just to get to one screw. Engineers are some stupid smart people. Well, he's a doctor, and I work with doctors for a living, so I can tell you they're not all created equal. Oh, I'm very well aware. So this guy does what no smart <laughs> defendant should do. He decides to testify. He said he Dumbass. was absolutely happily married. That the only reason that he had affairs was because of his wife's inability to have sex due to the neck and back issues. Well, same way you wrote yourself some Viagra, write her some pain pills so that she don't hurt and then get in on that. I mean, come on now, save yourself some time, some money and some headaches. DNA did show up on the different weapons. There, I don't want to go too far into the DNA because this was 2000, well, 1999, um, the trial was in 2000. So this testing is a little iffy. Um, I read a ton on it. I'm not going to try and explain it too much. It had to do with the different alleles that are required. The appeal tried to bring up the DNA testing. Suffice it to say, his DNA was on there. He tried to say it was because of transfer due to the simultaneous nosebleeds. So what he tried, what the defense tried to say is they both had that nosebleed. The nosebleed, they both had blood on it. That got on the towel. Somehow, that blood somehow managed to get transfer and get on the weapons it's a stretch i know i'm having trouble explain even getting there to try and explain it to y'all while dna testing and all that was still relatively new back then i mean it had been around for several years but i feel like it was still fairly new in the forensic realm and not fully understood or accepted it's still pretty I was I would think it'd still be fairly damning evidence. There was unknown DNA on the victim's <laughs> left glove and on the knife. Hmm. But it was very here's the thing. They were fussing saying, Oh, his stuff is showing up and you had this low amount of um they're called RFUs, relative fluorescent units. <laughs> 
So you've got these low RFUs that's having his show up. And basically the appeals court was like, yeah, if you hadn't used these low RFUs, your unknown DNA wouldn't have shown up either. So you can't have it both ways. Either you want to say that, which they brought up the unknown DNA. And so we still get the same result that we're getting at trial. So the DNA was brought up of the unknown DNA. The DNA was brought up that his DNA was there. It is true that across the board, it was a lesser requirement of the RFUs, which has to do with the amount of alleles that are required. But nonetheless, his DNA was on a lot of stuff. Mm. And, and so, Yeah, if I'm on that guilty, I'm... Uh, yeah. If I'm on that jury, um, it's a guilty. Yeah, for sure. So just be aware that that was brought up. It was brought up at appeal. The, you know, I don't want to leave it alone and pretend like it didn't happen. They, you know, there was commentary on it. I think it's weird that two people had simultaneous nose splits. That's that alone is fishy. Supposedly, she had frequent nosebleeds, he says. And so this was her normal having a nosebleed. And then Zephyr bumped him in the nose, and that's what caused him to have a nosebleed. But how damn big is this German Shepherd if he bumped a, I'm assuming, approximately six foot man in the nose? You know, a German Shepherd can jump like. I mean, have you not? Zeus has bumped you in the nose. Yeah, Zeus gave me a nosebleed once, but he also jumped from the back of the couch about three feet into my arms. Well, I mean, if if they were getting in and out of the van, Zeus is a friend of ours, dog, uh, pit bull that was staying with us. Lovable dog, sweetest dog you would ever meet, and just got excited and he jumped. Hit one of his paws, ca- uh, caught my nose, gave me a little nosebleed. Wasn't mad at him. I caught him. I let him down so he didn't get hurt. And as soon as he realized what happened, his face instantly went from, oh, my God, you're here. Pay attention to me to, oh, shit, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That dog gave me the most pitiful faces for about the next week every time he saw me. Yeah, he's proof that Pitbull should not have a bad, a bad name. It's, it's how you bring him up, not the breed. That's with all dogs, I believe. That's why you have a chihuahua that is basically a baby, unlike the little hellions that most of them are. Speaking of, (laughs) he's right here. Okay, so Dirk did turn over this towel to the defense on November 5th. And on April 10th, 2000, his defense turned over the towel to prosecution. So over six months. You can definitely have some evidence information at that point. Is when the prosecution got this towel. Somebody trying to hide something. I'm just saying, that's when uh, Colin, the, the Grenadier's son, testified that he bought the nails and not his dad on that receipt. So, according to him, his dad wasn't even there. So, he bought the nails, so his dad couldn't have possibly bought that hammer. Okay, now, just because you bought nails doesn't mean you bought a hammer, too. Well, that's what the police were saying, is we have the receipt, time-stamped. For the nails, with his credit card, and then the next purchase was a hammer with cash. 
Okay, so that is some- not the right, the correct type of hammer you would use for driving nails. That that hammer you would use with like a chisel for. No, they're saying that he just happened to be there and was buying nails, mm-hmm. and it was okay that the nails were bought with his credit card because he wasn't doing anything illicit with the nails, and that he paid cash with the hammer because he knew what he was going to do with it. But they were next to each other, so that was their. Not proof, but hey, he probably did buy this hammer with cash. But his son said, no, my dad wasn't even there. I bought the nails. So my dad couldn't have bought that hammer. But his dad could have bought another hammer. His son could just be saying that because he believes his dad is innocent. You got to take all that with a grain of salt, one way or the other. Very much so. But that's just what Colin said. So I wanted to make sure y'all were aware of that. The defense... 100% 100% says, this is not Dirk. He did not do this. They say that May was the third victim of a serial killer that was murdering older people in parks in Massachusetts. We're going to take a little side twist real quick. <laughs> was there actually a serial killer around that time? Irene Kennedy, 75, was killed in a park in December of 1998. And Richard Renninger was killed in August of 1999 near a park pond. Now, get off my microphone. You cannot rub against it. So we're going to talk about Irene. Irene Kennedy was murdered in a park in Wapold, Massachusetts. The interesting thing is all the cities started with a W. They were all in parks. They were all elderly. And all the cities started with a W. And what kind of proximity to each other are they? Not... Like in the same, Massachusetts isn't quite that big, but within, you know, easily driving distance in a couple hours of each other, but not like 30 minutes or anything. Okay. So a reasonable drive then. Yeah. Reasonable where, yes, you could say one person did it, but not like right on top of each other. So Irene and her husband, Thomas, arrived at the park at 8.15 a.m., something they frequently did. Sounds similar. They decided to walk in different directions and then meet back at the car, but Irene never got back to the car. Oh, no, Irene. Thomas goes looking for her. As one would. He finds her stabbed, lying on her back, and partially naked. She had been stabbed 32 times and had bite marks on her body. But no hammer? No hammer. Thomas immediately went for help. Thomas didn't do it. Thomas was older, like older than 75. Yeah. This case at the time of Mabel's murder was unsolved. Irene's murder was not solved until 2006 when there was a CODIS hit. CODIS is combined DNA index system. Uh, pretty much a standard database that... I want to say most, if not all, police departments use. They all have access to it. It's just a matter of whether they actually submit to it. Yeah. So a CODIS hit showed that Martin Guy's DNA matched the saliva from the bite marks on Irene. Martin Guy was already serving a life sentence for the murder of his roommate, Christopher Payne, in September of 1999. He was then convicted of Irene's murder in 2006. 
And because my question was, well, where was he when Mabel was murdered? He was in custody. Yeah, so he couldn't have done it. He was in custody immediately after killing Christopher Payne. So he could not have physically been able to murder Mabel. But he wasn't in custody when Irene was murdered. No. Okay. He murdered because Irene was murdered in December of 98. And then Christopher Payne was murdered in September of 99. Okay. And so he was arrested in September of 99. And then Mabel was murdered October 31st of 99. Yeah. He, there's no way in hell he could have done it. Period. Police also found on Dirk's computer where he had researched the two murders prior to May's death. Ah, uh, ha, ha, ha. He was trying to make a cover story. This is why you clear your browser history, dumbass. Dirk was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without parole, where he still is today, and he still claims he is innocent. Of all, course he does. All of his three children still believe in their father's innocence, and they continue to defend him to this day. Mm, I, with the evidence that you've presented, uh, yeah, no, I don't, no, no, no. He's guilty. A little side note. Prior to May's murder in 1999, the last murder in Wellesley was not until 1969. Oh, well, sleepy little town of Wellesley uh, was doing pretty good then. I told you, like, I told you it was someplace that it never happens. So in 1969, um, a man shot his 22-year-old ex-girlfriend and then tried to kill himself. And how old was said man? I did not write that down. Oh, come on now. You're the research queen. You're supposed to know I this. I'm giving you information on lots of murders <laughs> within this one little murder. Like, this was a whole lot more information than just the one little murder. And this was one I had not heard. I felt like I should have heard this one because there is a dateline on it. Uh, so I guess you haven't seen every episode yet. I probably have, and I just forgot it, honestly. That or fell asleep during I have now. <gasps> Don't say that I would fall asleep during Dateline. It's happened a couple of times. Only on reruns. Mm, sure. So you think he's definitely guilty? Oh, hell yeah. This dude's guilty as OJ. I started to research and say, well, oh yeah, he looked at this, these other, because his attorney was saying, oh, he's so stupid. He would never have killed his wife in public. But I'm like, well, he's just researching and copying these other murders that have happened. So he's trying to be a copycat killer. But then I was like, wait, maybe I'm really giving him an excuse because this other guy really did randomly attack this other woman in a park. Maybe she looked at him funny while he was walking past. He sexually assaulted her. Yeah. Whereas Mabel was not sexually assaulted, which kind of leads to, because Irene was sexually assaulted. So was he going for that effect by unbuttoning her pants and pulling her shirt up and just didn't, there was more people in the park than he realized and he just didn't get to do everything he planned to do. I really don't know what the loaf pan was going to do. I don't know where that was going. The loaf pan is kind of like the odd item out here. 
I don't. I mean, plain clue, you'd never say, oh, Colonel Mustard did it in the in the uh, study with the loaf pan. No. <laughs> I just I don't understand, but whatever. And there is a report that I mean, there are did. easier ways out of marriage besides killing your wife. Come on now. Some people are so worried that there's the control factor. This this will make me look bad. I'll have to pay alimony. The stigma. You know, right now his kids think he's like the best thing since sliced bread. If they had gotten a divorce and their mom had been like, well, dad and I are getting divorced. And oh, by the way, he's casual guy, 2000 and P writer, blah, blah, blah. His kids probably would not be defending him like they are now. Which also, how gross to have to know that your dad is casual guy 2000, etc. If I ever see that that uh, username on anything, yeah, I'm going to rip whoever is doing that. Hopefully nobody would ever use it again. I don't think so. I, at least I hope not. But people are stupid, so you never know. I feel bad for poor little Thomas Young being brought into it. He was just minding his own business, went to college with this guy, and then, surprise! <laughs> Did Thomas, was Thomas Young ever notified of this? Yes, yes, he was. He's aware. He's been interviewed. <laughs> kind of curious to see what he says about this. Like, yeah, let the dude write. He stole my identity and opened a credit card in my name. Yeah, he was just surprised. Which begs the question, how did he get Thomas Young's information to open this credit All card? All he did was use the name. Like, he didn't use, like, his date of birth or anything like that. Just use the name. Oh, that's odd. Because usually credit card companies want all that kind of information. I don't know if they're just not as strict. They may not have been. They may may not have been as strict back then. And, I mean, he obviously had money, so he was willing to pay for it. It just... Apparently he was willing to pay for a lot of things. Oh, Lord. He just didn't want his name on it. And maybe, Dude, I mean... he should have put Casual Guy com- 2000 on his credit card. If her computer had not broke, would he still have killed her? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe not. But using somebody else's computer is no reason to kill him. Well, she probably found out. I mean, that's entirely or possible maybe, as well. Or maybe he just thought she found out. Because if she found out, I don't know if she would have been like, hey, let's go for a walk with Zephyr on a weekend morning. No biggie. Uh, I feel like she'd have been pissed. Let's see. Unless she was playing it off until she could go to a divorce attorney. So they were... Let's see. Murder happened in 99. They were both born, what, early 70s, if I remember correctly? Early 70s? No. No, early 40s. Yeah. He was born in 1940. She was born in 1941. Okay, so we're 70-ish, 80-ish years old. I don't feel like doing actual math. Forgive me. She was 58. He was 59. Okay. He's like almost 80 now. I'm math bad. Well, no, I I think (laughs) you did the math for what they would be now, not what they would have been then. Yeah, she was 58 when she passed away, and he was 59 at that point in time. I mean, 
really, dude? You you a damn idiot. How, how long was this sentence again? It was a life sentence, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Life sentence with no parole. Good. Right, you son of a bitch. I mean, and he's been interviewed recently and still 100% claims his innocent. Well, naturally. I'm interested that the kids still claim, like, they 100% have backed him. Uh, one of the daughters said our mom would want us to fight for him. I, I bet you him being flexible has uh, worked well for him in jail, though. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, when you go to jail, you kind of got to be at that point. But you see, I mean, she had a lot of wounds. So it wasn't like somebody just ran by and stabbed her and ran away. No. It was definitely. Do you know what type of knife it was that he used? It was a smaller knife. It wasn't a big knife. Like, was it a kitchen knife or like no, a hunting knife a... or pocket knife or? A folding knife. Okay. So. I was trying to think of the word. Typical, typical pocket knife then. Yeah. Just a folding. Yeah. You could have a two inch bl- two inch wide blade on a um, pocket knife. I've and I wanted you look, and we can post this picture. Now, this is the pond, and see it's like in the middle of town. Oh, that's kind of cutesy. Yeah, the pretty the pictures are really pretty, but like there's a little beach area, and there's an access road. See little Moses Pond. So, side note, I've forgotten about this. They were going to close this pond, and Mabel, like, got on a committee to help keep the pond open, and then she gets murdered there. How sad is that? Well, she's forever with her pond now. It's so awful. Like, she kept the pond open, and that's where he killed her, asshole. She obviously really liked the pond. She did. I mean, they went out there and walked all the time. Oh, also, Zephyr. Has been witness to two crimes because one of the daughters got Zephyr and Zephyr was in a van and the van got stolen while Zephyr was in the van. But why, they the, got, why the hell didn't Zephyr bite the people trying to steal the van? Apparently Zephyr's not a bad dog. But yeah, Zephyr they got, needs better owners. They got Zephyr back. But the police officer was like, this is the only dog that's been witness to two crimes. <laughs> and a police officer. No, but yeah. Also, don't steal a van that's got a German Shepherd in it. That's not smarticle particles. Obviously, they didn't know that it had a German Shepherd in it until it was probably too late. I mean, because German Shepherds are... Or even better yet, just don't steal a damn van. Oh, that's true. A car, period. That's true. I agree. All right. You got anything else you want to add before we tie it up? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, this dude's an idiot. Obviously, didn't cover his tracks well. Didn't... um I also never listened to a true crime podcast either, or ever watched Dateline or anything. He's a doctor. He didn't have time for Dateline. <laughs> I was he was a dumbass doctor, <laughs> and I'm I am a hundred percent sure his ass would have been on Ashley Madison if it had existed at that point. He definitely made some bad decisions. Yeah, think. All right, sir. Thank y'all so much for listening. Uh, Like we said at the beginning, please like us, subscribe, um, give us some reviews, make sure you download, share, tell people that you like us, because hopefully you do, because you stayed here this long and listened to the whole episode. Or hopefully listened to the whole episode at least. (laughs) 
and we understand, you know, we're not everybody's cup of tea, as they say. You know, we, I'm sure I'll probably come off as a bit of a redneck dumbass sometimes. But come on, give us a shot. We're, I feel like we're getting better with every episode. You're yeah. smarter than a redneck. Um, yeah. I know that. But they don't know that yet. I know that. Well, that's why I have to tell them. I mean, I, I do pride myself on being fairly versatile and knowledgeable in a broad range of areas. But, I mean, you know, help us out here. You know, download us. Share us. We're providing y'all theoretically free entertainment. Hopefully. Entertainment. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening. And I hope y'all have a great week. Uh, yes. Please have a great week. You know, please download. Please share. Please subscribe. <laughs> Stop asking. <laughs> I said please this time. Oh my god. Okay. Anyway, thank y'all and goodbye. Bye.